You're listening to Motherhood Ignited, a podcast for mompreneurs, creatives, and influencers who are rocking the beautiful balance between working passionately and nurturing presently. I'm your host, Christy Keen, and every week I interview inspiring mom bosses, brands, and industry experts to bring you the knowledge, tools, and strategies to grow your influence and business through purposeful online content creation. So come in and cozy up, mamas, and get ready to ignite your goals. So today I am interviewing James Nord, who is the founder of Ford.co. That's F-O-H-R.co, which is a self-serve influence and marketing platform that connects brands with influencers based on verified analytics. And you guys, they can even tell if an influencer has fake followers. So I'm super proud of the fact that I am for verified account. And I'm super excited for James to be on today because he has such an expertise on the trends in the influencer marketing space and working with brands and influencers alike and kind of how that relationship balances. So thanks for coming on to talk to me today. I feel like we are similar in that I feel like you've lived so many different lives. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. I feel like I definitely have. Yeah, so I think you started out like on like you're a New Yorker. That's the the one thing you are in New York right now, anyhow. Yes. And you started out in Wall Street. And I know you talk a lot about how you ended up as Oscar De La Renta's photographer, which is just crazy to me as a little <laughs> small town Virginia girl right now. And then now you're the founder and CEO of such a huge successful marketing company. And then you also have a podcast, a drink with James. So it's just you do so much and like I said, it feels like a thousand different lives. And I'd love for you to tell listeners a little bit more about who you are and how you got started in this space. Yeah. So again, thanks for thanks for having me on. I'm always happy to talk about myself and influencers <laughs> uh, in general. But um, yeah, I mean, to keep it short, I mean, you kind of you kind of you know hit the nail on the head. I I'm I'm from Georgia actually. Uh, I was born in Queens, but like when I was six months old, we moved down to Georgia. So. Uh, I can claim like that I'm like OG New Yorker, uh, but <laughs> mostly I was I was raised in the South and gotcha. um, moved to uh, New York after college. And yeah, I think I wanted to work in marketing or advertising, but um, I graduated in 2006. The economy was a little soft. I ran my own business in college. I didn't like have any internships or anything. I thought. Uh, I thought employers thought would think that was kind of cool. Um, they didn't think that was very cool. Uh, so, what was your business in college? I uh, well, like when I was in high school, I worked at Cinnabon for like two months, and like you know, just like serving two thousand calorie Cinnabons to people in a mall. Sounds delicious, right? Yeah, now. and I was like, okay, this is not for me. Um, like, just standing behind a cash register is just like not you know, for, for whatever it was, $5 an hour, wasn't really working for me. So I had this vintage car in high school. Um, my parents said I had to have an SUV and I was like, what if I get a huge car? Um, so I actually, I drove a 1957 Chevy Bel Air when I was in high school and I used to, yeah. And I used to, uh, I just detailed people's cars. I would drive, um, you know, I would, I would detail people's cars in their driveways um, and I did that for like five or six years and, and made enough money to, you know, not have to work that much. Um, and I really love washing cars and I still love washing cars. I miss being able to do it, um, in New York. There's just like this instant gratification of going from like a, you know, dirty car to a clean one. But, um, so yeah, I, I did that all throughout college and, um, couldn't get a job in marketing or advertising. And, uh, yeah, I got a job on wall street cause like they were always hiring and, and, uh, essentially you're just cold calling. I was making 225 phone calls a day. Uh, and it was, it was truly, truly terrible and I hated it. And, and then I kind of bounced around in, you know, pretty unimpressive jobs. And when I was 26, kind of looked at my life and it was just not what I expected. Uh, I think I, expected to come to New York and and do something special and different like that's why you come here to see kind of how far you can make it what kind of person you can become and uh, the person I was becoming or or certainly the life I was living was just not um, one that I really wanted and I had then started a Tumblr which was very very new I think I started the Tumblr a few months after the platform launched and that was kind of fun to just like you know, throw photos up and, and, you know, 
I mean, nobody cared about it. It was very small. Um, and then as Tumblr grew, I started taking photography more seriously and getting into that a little bit. And, and I found I had a, you know, modicum of talent for it. And so I uh, was shooting more and more. And, you know, this was maybe back in then 2009, 2008, 2009. There just weren't that many people putting photos onto the internet in that way. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I was like a recommended user on Tumblr as a photographer. And that, you know, that grew my following quite quickly. And I think in 2010, maybe I had like 50,000 followers, which was staggering at the time. Um, you know, Instagram maybe had just launched, um, but that was one of the largest followings on the platform. And, uh, and eventually, I think, you know, a couple of years later, it was like in the mid hundred thousands on Tumblr. And, um, it, you know, that totally changed my life. I, I all of a sudden was kind of like good at something for the first time. I was doing something interesting. I was kind of starting to, I think, live the life in New York that I had, had wanted and in a lot of ways expected for myself. And so that was really exciting. And I, uh, I saw the kind of the value of, of what I was doing and what the value brand saw in it. I was, you know, after Wall Street, I went into marketing, advertising, um, and I could kind of see how uh, this could eventually be a really interesting thing for marketers and advertisers to have access to is, is these, you know, we weren't called influencers at the time. We were just bloggers. I think Tumblr bloggers, we called ourselves. I'm not sure. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I felt like, you know, that maybe in the future that was going to be, could be a bigger part of advertising uh, and, and then kind of started this company to see if, if that, was going to be true. Uh, the idea was to create a platform where brands could find new influencers, bloggers, whatever you want to call them to work with. And once you found them, be able to actually understand and validate their following um, so that you could be sure uh, or a little more sure about what you were going to get if you worked with this person. Mm -hmm. Gosh, just to have that foresight with the Tumblr phase, obviously it would have been super nice if back then marketers understood the value because... Well, you know, you know what, if they understood at that point, then maybe you wouldn't have started for and you wouldn't be in the position you're in now. But that's yeah. such a huge thing to, to like understand was going to be huge. And to to make a bet on that by starting a whole company around it is just it's huge. You, I mean, well, you you the timing was great. <laughs> the timing was very good. I was very lucky there. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it was lucky, you know, I mean, yes, it, it was a very personal thing. You know, I wasn't I wasn't. Uh, I, I don't think, I, I guess I just don't want it to sound like I was as visionary, I think, as, as maybe it would sound like. I I just had this personal experience where like I, I kind of fell into having this following and I saw the value in it and I saw a brand struggling to find more people like me and, and I wasn't happy with my professional life. And so it wasn't a huge, you know, it didn't feel like a really big risk um, to give this a try. And, and again, it, it it came out of just, hey, like, a, like, again, a very personal experience that I had had and said, okay, well, this changed my life. Um, you know, when I had that following, before I started working with Oscar and other brands like that, I, I, was, I was trying to get work. I was trying to talk to brands and tell them why, you know, what I was doing was interested and, interesting and none of them were, were listening. And then I started working with Oscar and Puma and a bunch of other big brands. And then they all kind of came around. And so I I could kind of see, you know, that again, from if I could take my personal experience and expand it, that like maybe that could be interesting. And I think, you know, we've been very fortunate that um, this industry has continued to grow. I, I uh, it, it certainly is, has, I don't think it succeeded my wildest expectations, but I'm very pleased that it, it happened this way for sure. Oh, definitely. And I think you're not giving yourself enough credit <laughs> on being a visionary in this space because, I mean, that whenever that mindset came to you, it's kind of before people were doing the whole four-hour work week and quitting your jobs to pursue influencing. Influencers, again, just weren't even necessarily a thing when you dreamed this all up. Mm -hmm. So, the, I, well, Yeah, the word definitely did not exist. Nobody and now it's like it. a bad word. <laughs> you know, well, it's like yeah. crazy. Well, it's not. It's and that's part of the reason why 
I was so passionate about starting this podcast because I'm like influencer, like all of a sudden people are like, oh, you know, influencers who are making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars are, are like, oh, I hate that word influencer. I'm like, it's it's not a bad word. Like you're making some good money doing it. And, you know, it's yeah. all about what your messaging is too and what you're influencing. Right. But I mean, if influencers, yeah. if I hear influencers being like, oh, I, I don't like the word influencer, I'm like, oh my God, shut up. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Um, I know it's it, just a word. It's like the the I word, you know. Yeah, I mean it is what they are, so it, I, I don't I don't really pay much attention to it. But yeah, um, it's been a wild, you know, it's been a wild few years. I, you know, I always think about this Keith Richards quote, and he's the lead guitarist for the Rolling Stones. And I read his book, which was incredible. I can't, I, you know, shocked that he could remember his life given the amount of drugs he did, but um, it's an incredible book. (laughs) And he, you know, he, he was saying that like in an interview, someone was like, could you ever have imagined, like, could you ever have imagined this was going to happen? Like you're, you're now the biggest rock star in the world. You're in the biggest, at least rock band in the world. Um, And he was like, I imagined it every day. I just didn't think it was going to happen. And that's in some ways what I feel like, like, yes, I like, this is what I wanted to happen. I just never actually thought it would necessarily. Um, so it's a pretty big trip um, in general. And I'm, I'm uh, you know, loving life and feeling very fortunate to now have 30, I don't know, six people um, working on the company <laughs> wow. uh, here in New York um, and uh, 80,000 influencers on our platform. And I think we'll run 400 campaigns this year uh, and, and maybe have two or 300 clients who use the self-serve platform. So it's, it's certainly, you know, grown so far beyond me. And I have now all these incredible people working on this every day. And I get to meet incredible influencers such as yourself who are, you know, going out and, and creating the life that they want. I think that's for me, I think what was so like personal and important to me was that like, I really was unhappy with my life. And social media totally changed it. You know, like I was on this kind of mediocre path and then I built a following and it allowed me to build like a new network of friends and, and, uh, and colleagues and people that I could build relationships with. So it changed my like friendship groups. It, it helped me dive into passions that have shaped my life, like photography and cycling uh, those are super important um, and, and definitely something the internet helped like fuel. Um, obviously, it helped me create this business. And so I really, when I started this, wanted to do that for more people because I, I think that bad jobs are like degenerative diseases. They just kind of like, if you're doing something that you don't like or if you look at your life and you're not happy, that starts to eat away at what makes you you right? You just, you start to become this kind of shell of who you are. And if you could do what you, if you could love your job um, and you could be really happy or you could just be, you know, more satisfied in your life, I think it totally changes everything in your life. So mm-hmm. it's been a really, you know, it's been a trip to be able to do that, to have people, you know, come up and say how, you know, they quit their job because, they were able, you know, they were able to quit their job because of the money they were making from our campaigns or, you know, that since joining the platform, they've been getting more work and they were, you know, able to afford that vacation or something else. Like that's pretty, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, it's cool to, to be able to empower a kind of new class of, of entrepreneur um, who doesn't, you know, who can kind of live life the way they want, which is, which is, as you said, um, obviously becoming more and more of a, of the goal for people, I think. It's so true. And you guys do such a great job of that at four. And for listeners who don't know what four is, which for most of them, I hope they do, but I would love for you to tell them a little bit more about what four is and, and the analytics that you guys give to influencers, I feel like are so great. I can't tell you how many times I've had a brand reach out to me and want to know certain demographics or analytics and you know, Instagram just wasn't giving those to me. So the first thing I always do is go over to my four account and pull up my profile. And you guys basically give you everything you need for a media kit or to reach out to brands Mm -hmm. right there. And then you guys also do the four verified accounts, which 
I mean, I remember when I got the email back with my little four picture that said I was four verified, I felt, I don't know, it just felt yeah. good. And I, I would love to see other people's. And I know brands appreciate the fact that you, you know, are giving them valuable influencers to work with who are authentic and it just adds more value to the work that they do together. So I'd love for you to tell the listeners a little bit yeah. more about Ford. Well, you know, at its, at its core, it is a, a platform, you know, an influencer marketing platform. So influencers sign up, it's free to sign up. You connect your accounts through platforms, APIs, Instagram, YouTube, Google analytics, Facebook, um, Pinterest, et cetera. And, uh, and then we pull data from those platforms and present it in a way that uh, makes it really easy, as you said, for influencers to understand and really easy for brands to understand who is this person, what do they talk about, who are they talking to, and uh, you know what value could they potentially bring, bring to that brand. Um, so we do that in, in certainly a number of ways and in, in different ways for brands and influencers. Um, but that was kind of the, the you know beginning for us was, yeah, I was trying to, to make influencers make sense to marketers uh, so that uh, if it, even if you weren't super familiar with the influencer space, you could look at these numbers and feel like, oh, I get it. So she is a mom. She's living in Virginia. It looks like she's mostly speaking to other moms that have this kind of income bracket. And this is how many, the kinds of brands she talks about. Now I can kind of understand who you are and put you and give you context, right? Because if, if we also try and show like, here's, you know, here's this influencer's performance and here how here is how it, it looks in relation to other influencers their same size, right? Because if you say to a normal person, oh, hey, you have a 2% engagement rate. Was well, that good or bad? Because, you know, to a normal person, that doesn't sound very good. But if you see that the average is 1%, well, then you're doing twice as well as most people. Now that's really great. So, um, you know, we're constantly trying to you know, pull in new data uh, so that brands and influencers can have better understandings of their following and their account and what makes them special. And then also provide context for that data so that um, brands and influencers can understand where they stand. And, you know, and, and the verified accounts were a big part of that, which was, you know, three or four years ago, people started talking more and more about fake followers. And I was like, well, this is, you know, this sucks for influencers because if if the idea spreads around that everyone's buying followers, it's going to delegitimize the entire industry. And I believed on a whole, most people were not buying followers. And so I created or recreated our follower health tool, our verified authentic following tool, um, not to catch cheaters and call them out, but to celebrate the people that have a real authentic audience who've done the hard work of building a following over years and, uh, and, you know, and doing the hard work to, to kind of um, build that following in an authentic way. And so that's been really cool to see that become kind of industry standard and something that um, we see brands asking for, even if they're not our clients, they'll, they'll ask an influencer, you know, to see if they're, verified on four if they have a real following so as the industry grows and as brands spend more money they need more ways to make sure they're spending their money in the right ways and with the right people and that's a pretty big pretty big focus of ours and another thing that i noticed that you guys do just by being um a four influencer is i will get emails that say that i'm the number one influencer for a certain brand that I'm, I don't think they're one of your brands. I think it's just a brand that I had worked with. And is, is that, how does that work? Yeah. So we have, you know, kind of the top 500 brands that we're tracking and we look at all 80,000 influencers and we see who in certain following tiers, whether you're, you know, zero to 25 K 25 K to 50, 50 to hundred. I'm not actually sure what the tiers are. Um, in that tier, who talked about the brand the most that month? You know, who who kind of organically mentions them a lot? And, you know, those have been great because I think as a, especially if you're an influencer who has, you know, 30,000 followers, you can feel like that's not a lot, but that's actually a lot of people. You know, 30,000 people mm -hmm. is, 
is bigger than any basketball stadium in the country. You know, it's it's, For sure. it's the size of most baseball stadiums. That's huge. That's a lot of people following one person's life. And, uh, and so we wanted to give influencers at all tiers a way to brag and to say, hey, like X brand that I love, um, you know, that brand may not be paying as much attention to you because you may not have, you know, 2 million followers. But being able to say, hey, amongst my peers and amongst people at my following size, I'm talking about you more than anyone else. Um, and we're, you know, we, we really want to, I guess I, I should say, when I started the company, I didn't want to keep brands and influencers apart. You know, if you think of a traditional influencer agency that represents influencers, they make money by being a gate between the influencer and the brand, right? They don't, the brand can't just go to the influencer. Um, so they have to go through this agent. So it's almost like you're paying a toll or a tax to get to this person. Um, and we didn't want to do that. You know, we wanted to bring these two groups together and, and kind of understood that that is what the internet does in general is try and bring these groups together. I mean, just look at the whole influencer space in general. What it's done is cut out the middleman between content and people who consume content. So that middleman used to be magazines or newspapers or television or whatever it might be. Um, we just got rid of that, right? Because it used to be like if you if you had the best tips for about motherhood, right, and you wanted to be able to talk speak to other moms twenty years ago about that. You would have to, you know, kind of become a contributor to a magazine that was read by mothers because there was no way to get scale. You know, there was no mm -hmm. way to directly reach the people who wanted access to what you knew, to your knowledge. And so magazines became these gatekeepers to that advice and that content that people wanted. And the way they made money off of that was obviously to, to sell advertising against it. So now the internet comes along and now you don't need Vogue or, you know, L or GQ or any other magazines because the people who want to consume content and the people who create content can just connect directly. So that is the trend the internet like always takes with everything as it cuts those, those middlemen out. Um, and so some of the tools that we build, like the top brand mentions is in an effort to, you know, continue to bring those groups together. And so if you have a brand that you love, let's say it's Nike and you're the top influencer for them, we want to give you tools to go to Nike and say, Hey, look at what a great job I'm doing for you. Uh, we should kind of deepen this relationship. And I can say I've gotten a couple of those emails and I, I get so excited when I see them. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I did so good this month with this particular <laughs> brand. And I've reached out and it has created um, opportunities for me based on just getting that email and, and sharing like that along with the posts that I did or some stories that I did that would have corresponded with it and, I and love that. expanding the conversation. So yeah, you, you've you helped me out there. So I appreciate it. I love it. And I and I love the tech side. I don't know. I'm just, I geek out over maybe what the tech side of making these um, different, like just doing the verified accounts mm -hmm. and, and doing the brand, the top influencer yeah. brand posts. Like it just... Yeah, and it's your not, team is awesome. Whatever they're doing, <laughs> I just think it's it's so awesome. It's and it's not it's a, it's like you have a tech company too on top of doing influencer marketing. Well, we which you is know really we neat. we started as a technology company. I never you know, and so I, I mean we probably spent in salaries and stuff. I mean I don't know millions millions of dollars um, building this technology. Um, so they are amazing, and they're you know we have I think. I don't know, it's eight or nine people on our, our technology, on the technology side of the business uh, here in New York, putting stuff out constantly. So that's pretty, you know, I think that that's pretty unique and certainly a differentiator for us is that we're not buying other people's technology. We're not, you know, we're not just doing things without technology. Everything we do, we think about how can we, how can we do this more effectively with technology? How can we use technology to, 
uh, help us see things that we couldn't see with our, you know, feeble human brains um, mm-hmm. and, and use those stories to, uh, to kind of augment the really human side of the business, which is you guys are people and you're people with personalities and, and with viewpoints. And um, some of that stuff can't be captured by a computer. And so we need to make sure that we also have, um, you know, the human kind of art side of the business. We talk about it like an art and science a lot of times. Um, and you really need to kind of bring both of those together, which is why, you know, I, you know, we could make so much more money if I got rid of my technology team. I could certainly have a much nicer apartment and pay myself a lot more because it's so <laughs> expensive to build this stuff. But the, the end goal for, for me and for four is, uh, is very much that technology is, is going to be the difference maker in this, in this industry and that we, um, by investing in it for so long, investing so much and having such great people will eventually emerge as the, you know, the kind of undisputed leader of the space. You know, I, I, I want to have, uh, you know, I want a thousand people to work at this company. I want to be massive. I want, I want to like, when you think of influencers, I want you to think about us in the same way when you think about, you know, ordering something online, you think about Amazon. That's kind of how dominant we want to be. Well, to me, I do think of when I think of influencer marketing companies, I do think of you guys at the top. But I, I love that. And I want you to stay connected to me when you are <laughs> the Amazon of influencer marketing. I'll give a shout out to Absolutely. your tech team right now, the, the men behind the curtain, because, you know, people don't think about that stuff. And it, it is huge. It's going to pay off so big for you guys in the future. And I am so here for it. And I want to switch gears a little Mm -hmm. bit and dive into um, the trends you're seeing right now in social media and influencer marketing or anything you think could help people in this space who it's a, it's a hard time right now on, at least on Instagram and and trying to grow and all the changes they're making. So I would love to hear some trends um, that can help us out in this kind of, um, plateaued stage yeah. we're trying to keep the amplification up working with brands and growing our own personal brands i mean it's it's really hard you know and, and if you look at our platform right now um i think when you get over fifty thousand followers at that level over 50 percent of our platform is losing followers month over month not gaining so one is mm-hmm. like if you feel depressed if you feel like oh my god this is like what is going on what's happening like i'm losing followers almost again, almost half the platform for us, the 80,000 influencers are losing following month over month. Um, okay. That makes me feel better right off the right. bat because I feel like hitting a hundred thousand followers was the worst thing that happened to <laughs> it's, my Instagram. It's tough. You know, it's, it, it is, yeah, it's really hard. And, uh, I think, you know, just to kind of understand that I used to do a good amount of email marketing at a at an old job, and what was interesting about email marketing was if if you sent one email or ten emails a week, your rate of unsubscribing didn't go up, um, which was kind of surprising. But every time you send an email as a business, you lose subscribers. I believe that I think well, no, this is just true. Every time you post on Instagram, you lose followers. And so if you mm-hmm. go back three years. Uh, people used to post once, twice a day. So let's see, you know, you were posting between 30 and at the high end, 80 or 90 times a month. But now you're posting once a day on your feed, but maybe you're posting five to 10 stories a day. So that could be between 150 and 300 stories and 30 in feed. So you could be posting up to 330 times a month. That's 330 opportunities for somebody to unfollow you, which they absolutely will. Um, Mm -hmm. which is a big, which is part of the driver of why people are losing followers. It's just, you're giving people so much more opportunity, uh, to lose the following. And then it's gotten so much more competitive when, you know, uh, when did you start your Instagram? Oh, I started my Instagram back in 2011. Okay. So you were early, you were early. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was 50 million people on the platform. There's a billion, a billion people have Instagram accounts now, you know, like it's, it's so hard. And, and when I built a following online, I don't, God, I mean, 15 years, not 15 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, um, there just wasn't that much competition. I had a professional camera and I walked around New York City taking photos 
And there just weren't many people doing that. And there certainly weren't many professionals, really talented people doing that. So if you were interested in New York and you wanted to see photos of it, you know, I, I was doing that and not many people were. But now the best photographers in the world are putting stuff online. So it gets harder for the amateurs to compete because the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bar has been raised so high. And then another problem that, you know, um, I think some influencers are facing is, is that they're getting older and they've been doing it for a long time. I think that some influencers probably are not realizing it, but like they have lost the passion for what they're doing. You know, when I was growing my following, I got out of bed and every day my main focus was, I used to say, I want to take five great photos today, like five really, really great photos. And I would, you know, take a different, I would walk a different way to work during the day so I could see something different. I would, I would be, you know, up to date with what was going on in the city so I could go shoot something. If there was a protest or there was an event happening or a parade, I would go to different landmarks at night. I would, if it was snowing, I was up out all day shooting. If it was raining, I was out all day shooting. Like if it was the first day of spring, I was like, I need to get a photo that like is, you know, just totally quintessential spring in New York city. And then I got more successful and I got busier and I stopped caring as much. You know, I stopped being as passionate about the photos. I stopped, you know, going to these parades and events and shooting it. And, and like the content just got worse. And, and, you know, now I sit in the conference room, you know, I sit in my office 10, 12 hours a day. Um, and it's impossible for me to, to kind of create content. I think that people are interested in, um, but I think a lot of influencers who've been doing this for a while, you just, you have fatigue and then your audience has fatigue. You know, if, if I've been following you for five years, I may really like you uh, and I may still find what you have to say valuable, but I'm not, it's like any relationship. I mean, how much different is the first six months of a romantic relationship than five years in? It's not to say that, Very true. Yeah, you know, it's not to say that, that that relationship is is weaker five years in a lot of ways it's stronger but it's not as you know it's not as passionate maybe and and i think that like that is also kind of contributing to um to this and when you started your instagram there was no money in this there was none none and so like your your intentions and the reasons for doing it were pretty pure but now, again, you're, you're constantly, it's a business, right? And so it just changes the fabric of what you're doing because you're trying to make money on it, not just, oh, I'm, I, this is just really fun. I mean, I remember, I don't know if this was true for you, but when I first started to get a following, even 500 people, it, it just felt so cool. I was like, this is amazing. 500 people follow me? Like, that was such a trip for me. And I know. I keep. I actually was talking about it earlier today. I was like, I don't even know exactly what the point was. And I started out in fitness, so it was mm-hmm. really easy to grow. And the popular page was like everybody saw oh, you yeah. that was on the platform. When you got on the popular page, you kind of forget that now you're just showing the same kind of feeds over and over and over again. Right. But you could grow really fast back in 2012. And it was just – I got a kick out of it. Like I just loved mm-hmm. – yeah, I don't even know what – what was the perk? I don't know, like self – I think the perk people was, liking your I think the perk yeah. was like it was it was just fun right it was something to do and like and and it's exciting to have people ex- excited about what you want to do but then but then money gets involved or you know a lot of influencers now they're so focused on brand partnerships which I understand right you got to make money but I think they fail to realize that like brands aren't your customers you know mm-hmm. your customers are your followers and if you're so focused on getting the next follower, I think you're doing a disservice to your existing followers. Like, are you, are you doing what you can to keep them happy? I mean, if you, especially if this is your career, you know, if you are making money on this um, and these people who hit follow randomly and started, decided to follow you have literally changed your life, you know, and they are the entire reason for your success. And without them, you have no business, right? Um, Because advertisers are really 
only paying for access to your following. And so if you as an influencer aren't focusing on what am I doing to keep those people who are already following me happy, keep them engaged, uh, you know, go out of my way to create content that doesn't glorify me, doesn't make me look awesome, doesn't just get me paid, but actually helps them. And again, I think that like, as influencers get more into sponsored content, they lose sight of that and they start to think, my client, my customer is the brand and I'm going to make the brand happy. And they do that at the detriment of their audience. And once you lose your audience's trust uh, and once you lose their attention, you have nothing to sell because, again, you're selling, you're selling access to attention. Um, you're selling access to eyeballs. And I think you, you really, influencers have to focus more on keeping, you know, keeping their audience happy and doing things for them um, rather than just for themselves. And it's hard to balance that sometimes mm-hmm. because, like you said, it is a business. And, and once you get to the point where you're monetizing, you, you also want to make brands happy. But who's like somebody in the space who's doing a good job monetizing but keeping the brand first or keeping the audience and following first rather because I just am always looking at mm-hmm. I would love to see people who are doing it right as an example yeah. because it's it's just so hard to navigate and balance when you're not it's also new to everybody it's just not yeah it's not how how advertising or how business or how I, I mean I was a nurse by trade mm-hmm. so you know I I always love to look up to people who are doing it the right way yeah I mean I think that uh, you know, like Ariel, something Navy, I think she's like, while her life has changed drastically and dramatically, as far as how much money she makes and everything, I think her feed has kind of stayed pretty similar. Um, and she's kind of stayed true to what she does. Um, I think there's a lot of influencers out there who are doing a great job. And we try and um, we try and suggest keeping the sponsored content under 25% as a general rule of thumb. Um, because beyond that, it starts to feel like just too much sponsored content. Um, but, uh, I mean, who else is, who else does a great job? I mean, some of the kind of traditional bloggers, like uh, I just had Grace Atwood on the show. Um, she's a smaller Instagram following. I mean, smaller that's again, she has like you has like a hundred thousand, which is a shitload. Um, but, um, but I think she's done an awesome job of staying connected to her audience and has, like you, has a podcast now that is doing really well. And uh, she's found that to be really helpful. But it, it feels like she's very audience focused. And I think that like that, that can be, for people listening, I think that can be a mindset shift, you know, to just say, if you feel like you're in a rut and, you know, brands aren't reaching out or, you know, you're getting really stressed with like, all the brand collaborations and it's, it's kind of making you not like what you're doing anymore. You could take a week off. You could take two weeks off. You could take a month off and say, I'm going to recommit myself to my audience and I am going to try and go back to like why I started this. And I'm going to go back to creating content that, you know, I think will be really helpful and valuable. And I'm going to go the extra mile. You see this a bit with like, um, you know, I don't know. I don't think this is as big of a thing in the in the mom space specifically. Um, but if you think of like escapism accounts, like accounts that aren't supposed to be like real life, they're just supposed to be beautiful and and kind of um, magical. I've seen a lot of influencers kind of really leaning into that and doing really creative editorial shoots um, with and with brands, but also not with brands and paying for it themselves. And and again, if any other you know, media outlet that was making more money, they would be creating more content that hopefully their audience finds appealing so that they can grow their audience so that they can, you know, charge more for access to that audience. So it's a, it's a small thing, but I think most influencers I talk to, if they really are honest with themselves, I don't think they are thinking a lot about their audience and what they can do to keep their existing audience happy. Because if you're losing a following, there's a a few ways to kind of grow, right? And like one thing, again, that people aren't thinking about is that like, if you can, if you can have, if you can cut down 
the amount of people unfollowing you by 50%, then your account will naturally grow. Because every day you're losing following, you're also gaining followers every single day. Um, so one way to grow your following is to not lose followers, right? But, but that's not, nobody thinks of it that way. They're just like maniacally focused on gaining a following instead of, again, paying attention to those 104,000 people or 10,000 people or 500 people who already follow you. Like you blew my mind just now <laughs> making that statement because I just, it is so true. I mean, you get so focused on the growth and, and then you see the unfollowing numbers and then that's, you know, a distraction and you're, you know, wondering what you did wrong. Yeah. And I love your advice about taking a little bit of break from the sponsored post and, and reigniting that passion for why you started in the first place. I know that's my hope when I have, um, I'm due August 15th with a little boy and I'm like, that's my time mm -hmm. where I just, I want to re like start creating content that has nothing to do with brands, just mm -hmm. enjoying that little phase of motherhood and remember why I started doing this. And the good thing too, for those listening is that then you can get a bunch of content patched as well right. that you're proud of and that is purposeful and that you know, you, sometimes it feels icky when you are doing too many sponsored posts. Absolutely. So and, and, and it, it just feels good to create sometimes, you know, it feels really good to create. If you're taking a break and a brand reaches out. I, I can't tell you, we would love to hear that. Oh, thank you so much for reaching out. Like I'm currently just taking a little break from sponsored content. Um, and really just like focusing on, you know, reengaging my audience and all this, but like, I'm kicking sponsored content off again in two weeks. Like any brand is going to love hearing that, you know, it may be a bit of a frustration because they wanted to work with you on something. And sure, maybe you're, you're giving up a little bit of money, but I would see it as, as not I'm giving up this money on this activation, but an investment in the long term. Cause again, if you, if you start to lose your audience and you start to lose their trust and especially now with like, you know, we don't even look at follower counts anymore. We're really almost exclusively looking at reach numbers and impressions numbers. So the thing is, like, once you lose your audience's attention, um, it gets the algorithm gets pretty brutal and, and starts kind of cutting you down pretty quickly. And if, you know, it's not just us, I think across the industry, reach and impressions are becoming um, more important than follower count. Um, so you really do have to focus on um, how you can keep those people engaged, um, keep them hitting like, keep them commenting, um, so that Instagram continues to serve, um, you know, serve your content to those people. Do you have any tips for keeping your audience engaged? You know, I, I don't, <laughs> um, which <laughs> may be frustrating, but like there are, every single account is different. You know, what could I possibly tell you about your audience that you don't intimately know? Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think stepping back and saying, well, what makes, you know, what makes me unique? Why do people follow me? What do they want from me? What, what am I providing value to them? And, and kind of, you know, going back to those kind of core fundamental things, um, and also watching the stats on your, on your account and seeing what's working, what's not, you know, print, print every photo that, you know, print your 10 highest photos with the highest reach and your 10 with the lowest reach and see if you can see what are the trends here? What's working? What's not working? Um, you know, a lot of influencers that I've talked to who are growing really well and who have big reach, they are like every single time I post, I want it to be a home run and I won't post something if, if I don't think it's going to knock it out of the park. But then Grace Atwood's, she is like, I don't care about Instagram. You know, I, I'm focused on my blog. Instagram is great, but I don't really care about growing on Instagram and I'll post whatever I want. Um, both of those things are valid. And so I think that anyone out there, the, the, you know, I, I've been doing, I've been like, as you said, with this podcast and YouTube thing, I've been, you know, once a week, I think I'm 160 episodes into giving influencer advice, which is funny. Um, but which I love. It's one of my favorites. Thank you. But like, as I guess, as you know, if you listen, I don't ever say like, this is what you need to be doing. You need to have colorful photos. You need to be using an iPhone and not a, you know, um, DSLR because, you know, when you 
kind of have the view that I have of, of looking at 80,000 influencers and all of these hundreds of millions of data points, you see that like there are no rules for what works and what doesn't. Um, and each person, you have to find your thing and you have to figure out what your audience is or is not connecting with. And so anyone who's out there being like 10 tips to grow your influencer or your Instagram following this week, you know, I think that's all just like a bunch of bullshit and uh, I wouldn't listen to it, but there are fundamentals, you know, uh, of things you should be doing, like paying attention to what's working, like experimenting, right? If your account's not growing and you just keep doing the same thing, like what's the, what's the definition of insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So people who are like, my account's not growing. And it's like, okay, what have you changed in the last couple of weeks? Nothing. Okay. Like, okay. So do you just (laughs) expect for the, like it just to magically one day start growing and start working? That's not how the world works, you know? And what you did a year ago that was successful, that's not going to work today probably because the world is changing and the things that people want are changing. Um, and you can see that everywhere in culture. I mean, look at, just look at like pop culture and five years ago, Taylor Swift could do no wrong, right? She's this like cute, like kind of girl next door, very sweet, very wholesome person. Like she's the biggest star in the world. And now you've got Billie Eilish who, you know, is like totally grunge kind of punk um, very much not girl next door, very much not polished. You know, no matter what Taylor Swift does, she she can't do what like Billie Eilish is doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because culture is just changing. And, and what youth, like what youth culture is saying is like, we're not really interested in polished, perfect Taylor Swift anymore. We're bored of that. We want something grungier. We want something with a little bit of an edge. We want something that feels different. Um, so I think that like influencers need to understand that like what worked for you in the past is not going to continue to work and reinvention is your only path to staying relevant, you know, um, because going back to like my, let's use another musician going back to my Rolling Stones example, like the Rolling Stones couldn't stay relevant, right? They're like, the greatest rock band of all time, unless you're a Beatles person. Um, And they eventually fell out of relevancy. So I think like you have to understand that like that is going to happen. And the only way to, to kind of continue to have a connection with your audience is to grow to such an enormous scale that you just become a classic and like, you're just like part of the institution or you have to keep, you know, keep changing and keep, uh, keep switching things up so that that audience stays connected to you. I really like that you touched on the reinvention part too, because I feel like people are a little bit afraid to these days or afraid they'll be punished if they, you know, get reignited over something else mm-hmm. that's not what, what people are used to sharing. But I don't know, I guess if you don't grow with your content in that way, then it's just cyclical, like you were saying, then you're not passionate about it, then you don't even want to post and then it's half-assed mm-hmm. and... Yeah, I love that advice. And so before I hit my rapid Mm -hmm. fire questions, I do want to ask real fast, speaking of trends and things changing, like the world changes, culture changes, but Instagram also changes. And they recently rolled out the creator Mm -hmm. profiles. And I haven't had any like expert opinion on what the thoughts are on this and what the advice is as far as switching over. I did switch over when I saw the Mm -hmm. option. Um, And my engagement is down like 40%, mm-hmm. but I did, I mean, I don't know if it's ironic, but I did end up getting a, a verified account on Instagram. So I'm like afraid to change anything right, right now. Yeah. Um, but I would just love to know your thoughts on the creator profiles because they're such a mystery yeah. right now. I mean, I think they're, you know, they're still testing it and we'll kind of see where they're going to roll it out. I switched to, they, um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's changing the, algorithm or anything i think that if you know if you're seeing any change it's probably um like circumstantial it's probably just like you know maybe the last few posts that you did just didn't connect i don't think that it's me it's all me i I need to own that yeah i don't think it's doing anything um i do know that they're not passing 
some of the business data, like the insight, like the reach, impressions, stories, they're not passing that through the API. So if you use third party uh, analytical platforms that use that data, um, it won't work if you switch to a creator platform. So I know that is happening. Um, now they may. Does that affect four? Affect Do four you? Because Instagram with the Cambridge Analytica stuff last year, they, they revoked um, business access for all influencer marketing platforms. So unfortunately we lost access to that information um, through the, getting it through the API. We get it through screenshots and stuff now. Um, but we lost access to that um, last March um, when they had all that stuff. Gotcha. So, you know, I think you can try it. Look, you can always switch back. Um, you could just go to your settings and switch back. Um, I haven't seen any big change yet. So I don't, you know, it doesn't seem like there's a huge reason to switch and there doesn't seem like there's a huge reason not to switch. Um, so I, uh, I think, you know, it's kind of a personal thing, but I don't think it's going to really change your um, reach or any of that stuff. This is a selfish question. Do you ever know them to like take the blue? I'm like, so I got the mm-hmm. blue check mark and I really like it because I feel like when I'm reaching out to yeah, a brand no, or if I'm reaching out to another thought leader, it they recognize it and I'm getting more responses and totally. getting more good conversations that way. But I'm afraid if I switch, they'll, I don't no, know, they won't they'll take it away. I think there's a lot of misinformation about verification as well. Verification is simply like, you know, if you're a public figure, if you're someone who, you know, the way they do it is pretty simple. Um, they simply say like, okay, they do a Google search for your name, essentially. And like, if you have Google results and if you have press pieces on you, then they verify you. It's not a big, it's not a big mystery. They, they, you know, it is kind of slow to, to do it and it's it kind of be frustrating, but, um, but yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna take it away because that would mean that like they're now saying you're not the person you say you are. So. Oh, that's true. It's just like one of those things. Like I didn't. Yeah. I don't know. You know. No. The blue totally, no. It's great to have it. I think. I wish. <laughs> I. You know. They won't give it to me, which I'm like, what the hell, guys? Come on. Uh, I need to. I need to apply again. <laughs> yeah, you do. I feel like you definitely deserve yeah. the blue check mark. So I just I love to end each podcast asking a few of the same questions to everybody, and the first one is my favorite, which is what do you influence that you're most proud of? Oh man, um, what do I influence that I'm most proud of? Uh, I mean, I think it's been really fun to uh, do this podcast and have to once a week come up with insights and advice for influencers and for all these people who are trying to. Uh, kind of run their own business. And, and that's been really great. It's been great to talk to people and say that that I, anything I've said has really helped them. So I love giving advice. And so that's been really fun. And I can tell you firsthand, I'm <laughs> one of those people. Like when you said you would come on my podcast today, I was like, oh, I'm so excited because I listen to your podcast week after week. And so to hear your voice talking to me is, is just <laughs> mind-blowing. You give such great advice. Oh, thank you. Everybody tunes into that. And how much time do you dedicate to social media? I mean, I'm on it a good amount from more of like a research perspective. Uh, you know, for me, publishing and creating content isn't a big part of my life anymore. I mean, even Drink With James, you know, I mean, we have a team that does this stuff. And and I sit down and they, they show me the three questions they're going to ask and then I answer them. Um, so I don't spend more than the time it takes to record drink with James doing drink with James every week. And then in my personal like photography and, and, and that side of things, like I, you know, I'm still passionate about photography and I still love it. So um, I enjoy publishing it um, just because it gives me a reason to take photos. Um, But it's not, that's not a huge focus of mine, but you know, obviously I'm on social all the time trying to understand trends, what's going on, what's working, what's not, what do I like, what do I not like, what can we learn as a business, what can our clients learn, uh, et cetera. I love that. And I feel like even influencers could probably spend a little bit of more time doing mm-hmm. research on social media as well instead of getting distracted in the comparison Definitely. game. And is there a mistake you've made in this space that you would go back and change? Um, I mean, you know, would I change anything? Probably not. Like, I'm again, I love my life, so I'm like pretty stoked on that. But mistake I made like uh, when Instagram came out I thought it was kind of a joke 
Um, and Tumblr was super dominant at the time. And I had a huge following on Tumblr, at least a huge following for Tumblr at the time. Um, and I did not move my audience over at all. So, and by the time I kind of realized that Instagram was going to kind of be the next thing and that Tumblr was, was going to die, it was too late. I, um, I then didn't have the opportunity to move that audience because they already had stopped logging into to Tumblr. So, um, you know, I have 120, 130,000 followers on Tumblr who, and I have 24,000 on Instagram, you know? Um, so that was definitely, yeah, still a good amount. but that yeah. was definitely a mistake. But yeah, it would have been nice yes. to convert them over. But you know, like you said, you, you just, everything happens for a reason and your timing was so great. And, and now you're doing something probably much bigger and, and more successful than you probably ever could imagine with just growing a following in that space. But like, I keep thinking about your car washing <laughs> days. If there was Instagram, yeah. then you'd be like, the best advertised, Probably. you know, classic <laughs> car washer right now. Yeah. So everything definitely happens. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't. I think you also have to like, I think, understand what you want to do with your life. You know, I actually, I didn't want to be a photographer full time. It just for me, it wasn't, um, it wasn't very intellectually stimulating. And so, I, you know, while I could have gone down that path, I, to your point, I am glad that you know, I didn't, it didn't blow up more and I didn't feel like, oh, you know, I've got this, all this money coming in and I'm, I'm living this kind of cool life and, and I don't want to give that up to start a business. Um, I love that. And then just finally, I know you are a gear guy. Mm-hmm. I know you're a camera guy and everybody always likes to hear um, what gear people are using, what camera you're loving right now, any editing tips or apps that you recommend? Yeah, so, yeah recently I, um, I bought a Leica M6 um, film camera um, from the, nice. I think it was, that mine was made in the late 90s. That has oh, to be so it. fun. It's, it's incredible. I, I have a, you know, a Canon 5D Mark IV and a 50mm 1.2 and a 24mm 1.4 on my Canon and I love that camera and I've taken hundreds and hundreds of thousands of photos on, um, I think I had a, you know, 5D Mark II and then I had a Mark III and then now a Mark IV. Um, but I, I essentially haven't picked it up in six months um, since I got this film camera. So, you know, I think, you know, what, what's that saying, right? Like the best camera is, is the one that you want to take pictures on. So if you're feeling... Yeah. yeah, I think the if you're feeling you uninspired with photography, buying a new camera, buying new gear, buying a new lens, you know, can totally re-inspire you and change, you know, changing your perspective can kind of, yeah, get you reignited and, and wanting to shoot more. Uh, but right now, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. And anyone, if you're into photography and you, you know, and you can swing it, um, they certainly are not cheap cameras. Um, the Leica has been pretty amazing. That's awesome. What, uh, what lens do you have on that one? I have a 35 millimeter Summicron on it, which is like a 2.0. Oh, it's so great. much yeah. fun. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're going on an hour. I appreciate of your course. time so much. Where can listeners find you? And are there any exciting updates for four that we need to be on well, the we've lookout got, for? I think in the next couple of weeks for influencers, we have a bunch of stuff launching. We have all new profiles launching that are a lot more visual. Um, so there's going to be new profiles. We have a new kind of opportunities page where brands um, can uh, can kind of post different opportunities and, and influencers can kind of directly um, state their interest in those. Now those aren't like, it's not like a marketplace, but you'll kind of see when it, when it comes out, how it works. Uh, we've also got a brand testimonials product coming out. So when you finish working with a brand, you'll be able to send them similar to, kind of how LinkedIn works, you'll be able to send them a link, even if they're not a for client, and they can leave you a testimonial or review. um, So that, you know, as you're, you know, pitching another brand six months from them, they can see these 10 other big brands who are like, Oh, we work together. Collaboration was amazing. We loved it. I love that. I was just talking to I had a gal on the podcast earlier this week who only has like 1,400 mm-hmm. followers. She's. I just wanted to get their perspective. 
and we were talking about, you know, getting feedback from your brand so that they – it just mm-hmm. you can share that with other brands is so important. So I love that. Yeah, I'm so excited you guys are doing that. The next couple of weeks. That's awesome. I <laughs> I love four so much. And where can where I'm can followers James find Nord you on, on Instagram? And and uh, if you follow four.co on Instagram, you'll get you know uh, we'll tell you when there's a new drink with James and all that good stuff. Thank I love you it. So well, much. thank you so much for coming on today. Like I said, I I know you're in the business of of influencer marketing and, and changing lives. And mine certainly is one that actually has been super affected by four in I'm such so a positive glad. way. So the fact that you would come on today and spend an hour with me is, is Absolutely. so kind. So okay, I appreciate thank it. Thank you so much.